Hey friends, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message today. Everything that the Lord shows me is designed to impact people's lives and advance the kingdom in a mighty way. My prayer is that you would be so blessed and so rooted and so established in the more that the Lord has in store for your life. And remember, stay fired up! The title this morning is Arm Yourself. Everybody say, Arm Myself. It's the message for Sunday, November 13, 2016. Jesus has equipped us with everything we need to overcome the struggles and the challenges in this life. The greatest tool that he gave us was the cross. The greatest tool that you have to overcome the struggles and the challenges in this world is the cross. It was through death that Jesus overcame the one who had power over death, that is the devil. That's Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I taught this last week in my message, Make the Break, which was the context of making the break from the world and the world system and getting to the cross. And the premise is, is that it's through death you're made alive. This is a odd spiritual understanding in the church and in the kingdom is that if I die, I become alive. That's how resurrection happens. There's no resurrection if there's not a death. Yeah. So Jesus would defeat Satan by going to the cross. He's already defeated. And he did it through the cross. But now we have a cross to bear. And we have to lay our lives down. And in order to take hold of that promise and to overcome sin and to be resurrected in a new life, we t get a hold of Jesus, we get born again, we get spirit-filled, and then we learn the process of denying ourselves while we follow Jesus. Denying ourselves and taking up our cross is not the most popular message today. But once again, I want to remind all of you, I'm not here to massage your brain. I'm not here to give you just things that make you better, but I'm here to challenge you to be everything God's called you to be. And so the cross defeated Satan and the power of sin. Now we look to Jesus and we take up our cross and we follow him so that we can in turn do the same. The cross is powerful for many reasons. First, what Jesus did in giving his life and what it does for us, the blood, how it defeated the law of sin, death, hell, and the grave, how it brought the new law of life and liberty through his blood that was shed. He provided freedom from the bondage of sin, and he gave us all the opportunity to receive that freedom as well. But also, the cross is about what happens to us when we embrace ours, when we die to self and sin, and we actually become alive in the spirit supernaturally. I have a mission, and I have a motivation, and I want to make it very clear what my intention is. My intention is to see all of you radically lit up and on fire. You don't have to be just like me or look like me. You have to be who God's called you to be. But I want to see you passionately alive. I want to see it become second nature for you, that you don't have to try to be good, that it's not even work to go read your Bible and spend time with the Lord because you're so fascinated with the Lord and you want more of him. I want to see you set free from bondage, and I want to see you completely lit up in passion. I want to see you worship. I want to see you excited. I want to see you get converted to be more like a child. I want to see you baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want all of you tongue-talking. It's not a mystery. I don't, I don't mince my words with it. I think today, if you're going to really be victorious and overcome the things of this world and what's coming our way, you have got to be overflowing supernaturally with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. But God doesn't cast his pearls before animal nature, and so what he wants is he wants to give you all that he's got for you, and that requires you to lay your lives down and that requires us to make the sacrifice of 
not looking at porn every now and then, not fueling the dysfunction that's coming out of Hollywood, not being afraid, not cowering, not hiding, but living what we actually believe. It's a simple biblical pattern of the gospel, which is not often preached today. The gospel of what the cross did and what Jesus did and why God sent his only son to die on a cross for you. The world doesn't understand that component. They don't understand the power of the blood. They don't understand why God would, would send his only son to die on a cross. They don't understand the things that we should as Christians understand. And if you aren't a Christian or you don't know or you've just come back to church, we want to help you have the biblical understanding and the verbiage to explain why you believe what you believe because you're going to be asked about the hope that's inside of you. And what I don't want to create is bandwagon Christians that just come on Sunday morning and do their religious duty. I want to challenge you. I want to propel you. I want to grow a garden where we can come and eat and then become fruit and then go bear fruit for the world so that they can partake of, the, of what Jesus has done in our lives and they can in turn give their lives to him. So it's not a mystery of what my agenda is. I just am bold about it, fired up about it, and make it really clear. And I try to do it in a way that gets especially these young adults to connect with the older adults. And then suddenly we have mamas and papas and sons and daughters and we have a family that everybody's just popping like popcorn. Because I don't really know. It's not like I can give you this great formula of how suddenly all these people are coming and people are getting lit up. But if you stay in this atmosphere and come into the worship and take these words that I'm telling you, something will become inside of you. And you don't even realize it because I spoke it into you and you received it. When you walked out the door, you went, oh my gosh, something's happening to me. Instead of Miley Cyrus and the voice, I want Jesus and the Bible. Whoa! We're not anti-voice, by the way. Context of overcoming the struggles of this life, there are several areas that every one of us must face. All of us have struggles. Some are different, but we all go through them. Here's struggle number one, overcoming your past. Now, for those of you that have been Christians for a long time, especially if you've done a lot of church, chances are likely you've experienced a lot of institution pollution. And people come here and they get thrown on tilt because it's family garden. I'm not high and mighty with my pastoral title. I don't care if he called me David. I don't care if he called me his good buddy. I understand my position. I walk it confidently. He knows that I have authority. And if I have to correct Doug at any time, he will listen and say, yes, sir. But I don't lead that way. I'm authoritative because of who I am as a son and the position he gave me not to rule with an iron fist. Instead, I give it away and decentralize and say, make some mistakes. It's okay. In fact, you're going to. And you'll probably manifest somewhere along the line, but I'll forgive you and it'll be fun. And then you'll love me even more because I forgave you. So you all have to overcome your past. Some of you don't have past like me. I'll use Kayla as an example. Stand up for a second. This is Kayla Feck, or Kayla Harden, sorry. The, the daughter of Doug and Mary Feck. Yeah, married to our worship leader. She was raised in an awesome Christian family. Her parents weren't perfect. They didn't do everything right, but she's lived the Lord. She kept herself pure all the way till her wedding day, and now she's as fire on fire as she's ever been, and she was on fire before, and this is the kind of testimony we all want for our children, right? Now, guess what? Guess what? She needed Jesus just as much as I do. She didn't have to have her season of going sideways. She, thank God she never did. So now what we want to do is raise up daughters and sons that can learn by 
our examples and the failures we've made, and then suddenly they don't have to do what we did. But let me also tell you this. A lot of times, people like her are the hardest to convert because I've been good all my life. I've been going to church all my life. Oh, I heard that. Been there, done that, bought all the T-shirts. Oh, man, I was raised. I never did that. And what happens is a self-righteousness can get developed. She didn't do that. She knew that she needed Jesus. That's the best testimony about it all is I was raised right but still realized I was in depravity and needed Jesus. She was deprived. Even though she came from a great family and heritage, she still had to say yes to being born again and spirit-filled herself. Thank you. Let's give her a hand clap. But my style and my background attracts a lot of people that are ex-drug addicts. I attract a lot of people that have been, have been married and divorced. I attract a lot of people that are the outcasts and the hurting and the broken. I, I also attract a lot of millionaires as well because I'm not moved by money and I love them just the way they are. And I'm not going to suck up to anybody because of how much money you give. And in fact, they like that. And so God's connected me with a lot of them. But here you're going to experience a lot of people that are at different life stages. You never know who's sitting next to you. Right? Okay? And that's the beauty of it. Everybody's got to overcome their past by coming to the cross and recognizing what Jesus did to break shame. One of my main focuses here is breaking shame out of your life, and that's what the cross does and the life of Christ does and coming into a relationship where you don't have to hide anymore. Wow, I can come to church and be myself and not have to hide anymore? What a miracle. Number two, overcoming sin patterns and dysfunctional belief systems. This is a huge one. It's hard to crucify the intellect, renew your mind daily, be spiritual, stay consuming your daily bread every day, getting into the secret place, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and being spiritual, disciplined disciples. I get it. Families, jobs, responsibilities, cell phones, all the cares of this world that try to knock on your door every day, it's hard. Okay? But you can do it, and you can overcome sin patterns and dysfunctional belief systems. And yes, you have to suffer. It's a form of suffering is that now I'm not going to give in to my flesh that's always warring against the spirit because the flesh is weak, but the spirit's willing. So I'm going to sow to the spirit so that I reap from the spirit, and I no longer live the way that I once did. But I don't get any time or any chance to not live that way. Now, I wish that I lived that way all the time. That's how I want to live. But I've got this carnal nature, and I've got the world surrounding me, and I make mistakes. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit is quick forgiveness, quick love, and the things I once did, I don't do anymore. I'm not a pot-smoking, porn-looking, alcoholic pastor. Right. It's not who I am anymore. And then because of that, I can now set other people free because I get to be an example only through a massive amount of mistakes and failures, so now I have a lot of grace for you. And you should have grace for others. So everybody's got to overcome sin patterns and warped belief systems about who God is. The next thing is living at the cross and making the break. This is done through denying yourself daily, and this means disconnecting from the world system and patterns. Look, the devil's going to tell you you're being so spiritual. Look at you. You're so heavenly good. You're no earthly good. What's the matter with you? You're all churchy. And I'm not telling you to get some good Christianese language. I'm just telling you, when you go all in with Jesus and you disconnect from the world, you will be considered abnormal. Just get ready now. Make the decision now. Do you want to be normal in the world's eyes? Or do you want to be normal in Jesus' eyes? Because they're two totally different things. And if you get normal in Jesus' eyes, you will be abnormal to the world. Yeah. Which leads me to my next point, which is <clears throat> 
letting go of all your old friends and letting go of your, letting go of your old identity. Because when you come to Jesus and you're born again, you're not that bar hopping, sleeping around, bong token guy you used to be, whatever it is. Line snorting, needle poking. There's a lot more. <laughs> There's more of it. You understand that you're, you're going to have this season and this price of paying where, you know what? I'm not that guy anymore, guys. And on Friday night when it's 9 o'clock and all your friends are going out to party, but you got the light on in the corner and you fell asleep reading your Bible, people are going to say, you have lost your mind. What's the matter with you? Because at 9 o'clock, you'd just be getting ready to go hit them bars. And now all of a sudden, you're home reading your Bible and you were in bed. And then you don't have any friends for a season. And then the devil says, look at you. You're all alone and no one cares. And I don't have any friends. Wah. This is welcome to the process because God gives you new friends. You see all those men, look around you. God, there's millions and millions of on-fire Christians that aren't weird and goofball religious, by the way. You just got to find them, and you got to be willing to deny yourself to get them. I mean, I wish I could go, ta-da, you have 100 Christian friends that are just like you. No, there's a price to pay. And it requires you to get alone with the Lord. It requires you to get into the secret place with him. Staying spiritual, this is being wind-driven, being full of the Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit at all times. You don't just get touched once and then never again. God wants you full. Picture your life like a water balloon with a little pinhole at the bottom. And it slowly drips out. And what should be dripping out is the life of Christ onto others. But if I stop reading my Bible, stop praying in tongues, stop worshiping, stop getting in the secret place... If I stop doing the things that I know my father longs for me to do together with him, not out of religious duty, but out of love, if I stop doing it, I'll be just like anybody else. My soul will suddenly be longing for the comforts of this world, and I'll be looking to anything for a quick fix. Quick fix. Movies every night, movie themes all night long. And sometimes I like to do that, but I don't live in that world of disconnect. My soul doesn't get the freedom to find comfort in the pleasures of this world. I do get to take vacations. I do get to do things I love to do. I, of course, I'm not talking about finding pleasure in food and having fun and doing things like that. The point I'm trying to make is my soul doesn't get to remain there and hooked into anything that's contrary to God's will and God's life. And I think that I, I can get you guys there, and I know that Jesus can get you there. It's just going to take some laid-down lovers. It's going to take somebody willing to pay the price. And that's the army of Rock City. This isn't going to be the next fastest growing, trendy church in town. This is going to be a church that's on fire. And people are going to look like, what's happening? And I'm going to say, well, Jesus is showing up. People are getting to the cross. Are you having altar calls? No, I don't even have to. People just come here. They cried out. They worshiped. They heard the word. They said yes. They walked out. And they started dreaming and having supernatural visions. And suddenly something changed. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Come on. God wants you to live on fire and be supernatural. And that means that you've got to be full of the Spirit at all times and led by the Spirit. But the last thing I want to tell you this morning is the suffering of your faith. This is an obstacle and a difficult situation that many of us will struggle. First, there's the letting go of your old life, of course, your image and your identity. You're now not the cool guy or the hot girl that everybody wanted to hang out with all the time. You're now a Jesus freak, and you got born again, and now suddenly... You're not the popular person anymore. And the, those friends you thought you had aren't calling you. Or they're coming around saying, hey, don't be, you don't have to be like that. Just be the guy or the girl that I used to know. Not. That's not who I am anymore. Because 
when you become a child in Christ, when you get born again, it's a matter of who's influencing who. And young disciples, new converts, novices, the Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, a novice is considered a sapling plant tree that is yet to produce fruit. And so we have to protect those sons and daughters, and we have to be examples for them. But we also have to understand we have to call them out. We have to call them to be separate from the world. Got to let go of those old friends. I had a young guy come in here crying every service. I ran into him at Walmart, and I said, listen, your old friends are going to try to drag you back in. You got to cut them out. He got offended and never came back, ever, just because of what I said. Next thing is, is you're going to be persecuted for believing, living, and sharing your faith confidently and boldly. This is the area that most people will not go to. We'll live our lives as comfortable Christians in suburbia America, not drinking Starbucks. Because <laughs> you live in Corpus Christi and there's coffee waves here. That's right. The point is, is Jesus never called you to live a comfortable Christian life. He called you to represent, reflect, and advance. Yeah. He called you to defend the fatherless. He called you to protect the orphans. He called you to support the widows. And he called you to love the outcasts. You all have a job description, and everybody gets to do it one way or another. You all have a response. You want to know what your purpose is? Do what Jesus did. Follow in his footsteps and live as the example that he left. You're going to be persecuted by pharisaical Christians. A pharisaical Christian is somebody that has all the external things seeming to be right, but internally they're dead as a doornail. They find their comfort based on what they do in their religious duties, but they're so far from the Lord in their heart and they don't live it. And then as soon as you start casting out demons, I mean, please, I just want to post on my Facebook, somebody, please tell me who cast out a demon recently. I'm just dying to know. Somebody tell me who really witnessed to their neighbor and they got born again. I'm dying to know. Please, somebody tell me a testimony when they prayed for the sick at the airport and they got healed. Come on, guys. I'm telling you, if we don't get violent about this and doing what Jesus did, we're going to succumb to the doldrums of religious Christianity and we'll be just like everyone else. And you're not called to be like everybody else. You're called to come out from among them and be different. And yes, I'm challenging you today. Apostle Peter, in talking to scattered believers around the world, would say this in the context of suffering. 1 Peter 3.13, who's he that will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But if you're going to suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. And then he quotes Isaiah 8.1, and he says, do not, or in Isaiah 8, says, do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled, because Isaiah just preached a message to Israel that the Assyrians were going to take him to captivity. That's a pretty unpopular message. Here's a prophet of the land talking about being taken into bondage to Babylon. And then he says, listen, don't be afraid of their... God says, don't follow those, the people of this world and don't be afraid. The point is, is regardless of what Trump does or doesn't do or the pre president does or doesn't do, you're surrounded by a godless society that wants to quench the life right on out of you. If you don't get violent with this thing, I'm telling you, it's going to keep you silent. You can never lose your fire. And if you do, just keep getting in the secret place, get back to the basics, get back to the cross, and run to Rock City. And get up here to the altar and soak in the worship and stop worrying about what other people think and say. Or get another church. If I'm not your speed and this isn't your speed, find somewhere, someplace. Yeah. I don't Find a place that's on fire that's going to get you wind-driven by the Holy Ghost and not compromise the Word of God. If you, so verse 15, sanctify God in your heart. To sanctify means to separate God 
fully in your life. It means to be cleansed, purified, and renew your heart and to be fully dedicated to him. Sanctified, why? So that you're always ready. So a sanctified heart is always ready to give a defense. The word defense is where we get the word apologeo, which is the word apologetics. It means that I'm pleading. It's where we get the word plea. And it's not that I'm sorry apologizing for the faith. It means I'm willing to give a defense for why I believe and fully adhere to what, I'm giving, what I've given my life to. I live an apologetic lifestyle. I don't have to go pick arguments because this scripture makes it very clear. People are going to ask me for the reason of the hope that's inside of me. You just live it. Trust me, you're going to get persecuted one way or another. If you just do what Jesus called you to do, and I'm not trying to bring it on you. I'm just telling you, you start getting supernatural, wind-driven, and prophesying. You start believing for healing and laying hands on the sick. You just pray in tongues and tell somebody you do. And I'm telling you, you're going to have pharisaical Christians and religious people, even friends and family, going to tell you you're crazy. You're going to be reviled, verse 16. They're going, to call it, they're going to defame you as an evildoer. But verse 18 says, Christ suffered once for sin, the just for the, that he might bring us to God. God's bringing us to him, yeah. and he's putting to death in the flesh, or being put to death in the flesh, he was made alive by the Spirit. It's the same process for our lives. I want you alive in the Spirit. Who wants to be alive in the Spirit? Yeah. Put to death the flesh. Now understand, that's a, I'm not being religious and over-obedience beat, beat the sheep message. This is me reminding you and challenging you that you can do it. I'm setting the bar up. We can do this. And if you fall short, pick yourself up, dust your knees off, get forgiveness, get back to the aisle. I've had leaders here and people that I love that I've worked with fall into shame. You ask Joseph Holguin. He's struggling with a difficult situation. We went to a men's conference. He was sitting down, and I know him enough. And I said, get yourself up and get up to that altar, and you lift your hands up. And his life was never the same because I wasn't going to let him live in whatever it was. I don't even need to know. I don't even know. Because I said, you get yourself up there and get your hands lifted up. And it, ro- it just rocked him. There's a couple of scriptures, and we're going to pray for you. Let me have my prayer partner team make their way up to the front. 1 Peter 4 says, verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. This is where I got my message title. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So if I don't stay armed, and listen, I'm a gun rights guy too, by the way, but I'm a Holy Ghost rights guy. And I'm telling you, you got to stay armed 24-7 against this world. The world's not your enemy, by the way. The world needs to be transformed, and Jesus gave his life for the world. Nor am I telling you to check out into your Christian utopia. I'm saying go get in the darkness, but when you get in the darkness, you better be shining bright because light always overcomes the darkness. He who suffered in the flesh ceases from sin. Now, I don't live the way that I did anymore for the flesh and the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So there's this contrast, the the, the lust of flesh and the lust of men or the will of God. This is your battle every day. Every day, I'm living with this battle. But now I've chosen to arm myself with the cross and what Jesus did and understand the way that he suffered, now I'm willing to go myself and I become a disciple and now I have the victory and the tools to overcome. So when the devil says, click on that porn site, 
check out that hot girl. I'm guarded and bridled. I I'm I'm, was once a mild, wild Mustang, but now I'm a Mustang feet, meet and fit for the master's use with, a, use with a bit in my mouth. And all he's got to do is just gently go. And I go. And I'm, I'm pulling the cart for the king. The presence of God, because I'm a modern day priest. And instead of having to carry it on my shoulders, I carry it in my heart. And I'm a presence bearer everywhere we go. Whew. Sheesh. Jesus. Now, I know I'm preaching along. I'm sorry if I'm causing you to glass over. Next week, get a double shot of espresso. You'll be all right. Yes, I tend to preach a little long, but I got to give you a lot in a short amount of time. And it's soaking into you. Just hear it. Just listen to it. And you can re-listen to the message again online. I love this. Verse 3 says, you've spent enough time. Everybody say, I've spent enough time. Say it again, I've spent enough time. I said, wait a minute, Peter spent enough time? He says, we, what did Peter do? Well, he had a whole party and lifestyle before Jesus came along. We didn't even have to hear it because that man was dead, but he's just reminded, hey, we spent enough time drinking parties, living the way I used to. In fact, here's a fun fact. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, Peter didn't go to his house and have a crime party. He went to the bonfire where all the partiers were. You ever think about that? I'm going to the bar. Jesus didn't come through the way I thought he would. He let me down. Peter was hanging with the sinners at the bonfire instead of going home and weeping and crying or even sitting at the cross. So Peter understood. We've spent enough time. We've spent enough time. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with, and we're going to pray, where'd my prayer partners go? <laughs> Come on, everybody. <laughs> Though I'm having a lot of fun, I don't preach for the fun of it. I preach to do something in all of our lives and cause all of us to respond. The most important part of the service really is right now then would probably be worship if you, if you engage, and then would be receiving the word and responding to it, okay? I'm going to leave you with an awesome script, couple scriptures, and then we're going to pray. 1 Peter 2.20, what credit is it if you, what, cre what cre is it if, when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? I'm like, heck, I made my bed, I'm going to lie in it. I know I did wrong. I deserve it. Right? You get no credit for that. In the world system, it's make your, you made your bed and lie in it. But in the kingdom, God gets you up and out of the bed and says, you can't help yourself, but I'll get you out. There's no, you made your bed, now lie in it in Christianity. In true kingdom living, you get rescued out of your bed of dysfunction. What he's saying here is, of course, if I did something wrong and I'm suffering for it, I get it. But how about, how about when you do good and suffer and you take it patiently? This is commendable before God. Now, he's talking about, in this scripture, dealing with harsh rulers in your life, by the way. You got a mean boss. You got an injustice going on in your life. You got somebody that's treating you bad. Family, friends, workers, whatever. He's saying, if you, if you take it patiently, you do good and suffer, this is commendable before God. God actually commends you for that. 
For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. He left us an example, and that in his footsteps we should follow. He did it, and you have a full-time example. This goes on to say that he becomes the overseer of your soul. It means he's your superintendent. I have someone overseeing my soul. His name's Jesus. You have been listening to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!